Welcome back to the Weekly Rundown with Atlas. The official podcast by Monash International Affairs Society. We are your hosts, Shania and Phoebe Anka. Hey guys, we have a really exciting event coming up for you guys that all of you can get involved in. Yeah, so we have an event called Monash, M-U-N. Ash. Um, it's essentially a two-day Model UN conference hosted by Myers, the Monash International Affairs Society at Monash University. Uh, so yeah, um, you know, like in the past, Shania, like mm. past two years, we've had COVID. So it's yeah. been an online conference. So it's going to be back in person this year. Amazing. Finally, I'm sure all of us would love to see some in-person action. Exactly. It will be held on the 26th to the 27th of September. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure that there'll be a mixture of um, in-person mm-hmm. and online just to cater for anyone around the world yeah. or in Australia. In the past, we've definitely had delegates from all around the world, actually, mm-hmm. um, since we've had it online. So that's been really fun. But um, yeah, essentially, delegate applications are open right now. Um, and this this event, of course, is catered to anyone, um, even if you're a beginner or you're an, you're an experienced munner. Um, mm-hmm. We have a committee for you. We have committees such as like the Security Council, where they'll be addressing the topic of the hypersonic arms race. And we even have a historical crisis committee um, with the topic of the Yalta Conference in 1945. Essentially, it's a two-day full of fun activities, Mm -hmm. develop your diplomacy skills and your public speaking skills and just make new friends. So yeah, I'm going to be there. Shania's going to be there. And it will be run across the 26th and 27th of September. Yes, applications are open, so go for it. So back to today's episode, uh, there is a lot happening around the mm-hmm. world. Um, I think we can start off with the Ethiopian civil war, which will be covered by Shania. Yes. So in November 2020, a civil war broke out in Ethiopia following months of political controversy between the Ethiopian federal government and the Tigray region government, the TPLF. Mm. After over two years of war, the country has seen a humanitarian crisis leave millions displaced and thousands dead. And I feel like we haven't really heard about this in the news that often. We've seen little bits and pieces of it everywhere, but we haven't really heard about what's actually going on. I haven't, at least. No, exactly. And I think this is definitely a good topic to bring up. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that there's definitely always something happening and we just need more information about it. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing it. Yeah, so for a little bit of context, Tigray is a community that claimed to be forsaken and was avenging its place in Ethiopia. Tigrayans make up about 7% of the nation's population, which isn't much, Mm -hmm. and the TPLF has maintained wide-scale control of the Ethiopian government since 1991. And when I say 7% doesn't seem like too much, it's more in the sense that this war is between the Tigrayan region government and the Ethiopian federal government. Mm -hmm. So it feels like... The ratios, you know, a bit, a bit imbalanced. Yeah. yeah. So they were created as a rebel militia group in the 1970s and later became a dominating political group, which actually led Ethiopia to experience significant economic development and stability. Hmm. In 2018, the TPLF's long running political hold came to an end with the election of Ethiopia's current prime minister. So just to clarify mm-hmm. for um, our listeners, um, is, the, is the TPLF essentially a political party yeah. um, that is created to also just represent the Tigrayan community? Yes, Would that's what that? I've understood, at least from what I've researched. Okay, interesting. So going back to the political controversy, which, we, which I mentioned earlier, which incited the war in the country, it was over election postponement. I see. So the Tigray region government considered the postponement a threat to its self-determination de- and 
held regional elections later in September. Mm. They also warned that they would consider any federal intervention of these elections by the Prime Minister or anyone as a declaration of war. Wow. Yeah. Following this, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia's federal government sent troops to the Tigray region, accusing the Tigray government of attacking a military base. Okay. This triggered countless human violations to take place on both sides and countless lives to be taken. Mm. After June 2021, the Tigray forces advanced to neighbouring regions and during the advance they committed sexual violence and extrajudicial killings. Mm. There have also been repeated massacres by the government against the Tigray people, which have been labelled as attempts of ethnic cleansing. Oh, gosh. The war has also created a refugee crisis, forcing over 2 million people out of their homes. Furthermore, by intentionally destroying crops and preventing farmers from planting, the Ethiopian government is said to have created a famine unlike any in the world. Over 5.2 million people in northern Ethiopia alone are facing serious starvation and lack of basic necessities. So this widespread famine is only worsening the crisis the people are facing. I just think this is... (laughs) It's it's really sad, isn't mm. it? Any war, there's definitely two sides to it. it. And but who's stuck in the middle? It's the people who are being exactly. affected. I I just think there could have been more communication. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not the right way to do it. No, I definitely agree with you. And I feel like it's definitely snowballed. They've had, like, you know, they've had extrajudicial killings, sexual yeah. violence. It's just... it's And it's so violent. And then yeah. they also then have all these, like, this refugee crisis and then famine oh, and it's just never-ending. That is the thing with these wars, mm-hmm. Shania. Like, a lot of these moves um, that affects people are just political strategies mm-hmm. of war mm-hmm. to essentially get the other side to back down exactly but like you said it just snowballed and yeah. it's the people who are being really 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 affected yeah and so on top of this the war restricted humanitarian aid efforts severely mm. so this resulted in less than 10 percent of aid sent to the tigray region actually making it through the ethiopian government blockades oh gosh that's not much no yeah And while both parties expressed a desire for peaceful negotiations and an end to the conflict, where and how the negotiations should be carried out was never decided on and left the country and its people in limbo. So in recent days, the optimism for peace talks have begun to die down as the country has seen mass conscription by the TPLF and much of its resources devoted to training and rearming. The TPLF insists that the Ethiopian Prime Minister's continued blockade amounts to using hunger as a weapon of war. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in an open letter to international leaders, the TPLF leader said, quote, we are fast approaching the point at which we face death, whichever we, way we turn. Our choice is only whether we perish by starvation or whether we die fighting for our rights and our dignity. Oh, that is not a pretty picture to paint. No. Oh, but I, I personally feel like it's, it's also difficult for the global arena. Mm-hmm. How can global leaders, I mean, we shouldn't really talk about intervention of war but when you do see a letter like this Mm -hmm. to international leaders how would you feel you would feel like you want to intervene but and it sounds to me there's like a tone of helplessness in there as well obviously like all of these are politically positioned these kind of statements yes but to me personally, I feel a level of helplessness, a tone of helplessness coming through there. Yeah. Especially when he says that they're fast approaching a point at which we face death, whichever way we turn. So they have, yeah. it's kind of framing it as they have no choice. Yeah. It's either to start die starving mm-hmm. or to die fighting for their rights. And that's, I guess, that kind of puts us into the mindset that they're in. 
Yeah, I mean... It's not right. No. Not condoning it at all. No. Violence, in my opinion, shouldn't be... Present at all. Yeah, I guess, I mean, is there any um, intervention by the UN, perhaps, or any ways for them to hopefully settle this in a more diplomatic way? So around this time last year, Secretary General of the UN, Antonio Guterres, emphasised how vital it was for all parties to recognise that there is no military solution to this. The UN has also stated that the humanitarian situation in the country is still dire, with approximately 13 million people still in need of assistance. Mm. The government has outlined a plan to begin reconstruction and rebuild amenities destroyed as a result of the war by using a three hundred million dollar grant from the world bank okay however analysts say that for any effort to return to the region to normalcy to succeed a peace process between the warring factions must first be strengthened exactly i mean there's no point actually like putting in mm-hmm. all the infrastructure before there's the actual peace talks exactly because it's not actually going to fix anything no So if not for the suffering and death the country has seen over the past two years, at least from what it has seen over the last week alone, it's clear that, as Mr Guterres said, there's no military solution to the war in Tigray. Oh, wow. So hopefully they can move towards peace talks again, Mm -hmm. which I feel like will be the best solution. Mm -hmm. Or else this would just be a Mm never-ending war. I'm pretty sure both sides would realize yeah and come to that conclusion i mean it's going it's been going on for for a while yeah talking about wars Mm -hmm. um we have this past war world war ii bringing up um by poland um demanding reparation from germany during world war ii which is interesting um the quick facts is that uh on thursday uh poland estimated the financial cost of world war ii losses to be at Australian dollars, 1.9 trillion, and said that, quote-unquote, asked Germany to negotiate these reparations. Mr. Kaczynski, uh, head of the ruling and justice party, um, and widely considered to be Poland's de facto leader, um, he stressed that this sum is, quote-unquote, compensation for the deaths of more than 5.2 million Polish citizens. So yeah, this news came on Thursday, 1st of September, which was the anniversary of Nazi Germany's invasion of Poland in 1939. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while now, but uh, Mr. Kaczynski um, was speaking at a conference dedicated to the presentation of a report on Poland's losses in the 1939 to 1945 war. Okay, and why exactly has this come up? Yeah, like why now, exactly. right? Well, actually, Shana, this isn't recent news, um, mm-hmm. especially since coming to power in 2015, Poland's governing law and justice party, well, we'll just call it PIS mm-hmm. party, they've often championed the issue of war reparations as a basis for their platform okay. when it comes to elections. So work on the reparations report I just talked about just then mm-hmm. um, was actually started in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the conservative government insisted that Germany had a quote-unquote moral duty in the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so the liberal opposition party, so the opposite side um, of Poland, believes that this report is mainly intended for domestic political purposes coming as it does a year ahead of parliamentary elections coming yeah. up again. So it makes sense. Yeah, why they would bring this up again. Exactly. But again, we're not in any way um, doning uh, Nazi Germany's actions during mm-hmm. World War Two. Um, But yeah, that is essentially what we're kind of seeing. Yeah. A quote by Donald Tusk, uh, who is the chairman of the opposition party, Mm -hmm. he said that the PIS initiative on war reparations has been appearing for several years whenever PIS needs to build a political narrative. Okay. So that's one perspective. Yeah. So yeah, we almost been like wondering what is Germany's position on it. 
Uh, looks like it remains unchanged. Uh, throughout the years, Germany has often rejected Poland's claim, mm-hmm. pointing to a 1953 decision by Poland to renounce claims against East Germany. Uh-huh. So essentially, um, apparently in 1953, there was this decision came upon by Poland that pretty much kind of renounced um, anything against yeah. East Germany. And I'm not saying like they just once said, oh yeah, World War II didn't happen, but it looks like they kind of in a way forgiven them. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, essentially, the German government on Thursday turned down the Polish call to negotiate on reparations. A quote by their foreign ministry uh, said that the German government's position is unchanged. The reparations issue is closed. Done. Yes, they done, shut it down right done there. Done and dusted right there. I honestly feel like this may just be like on one hand, it may be mm-hmm. like a domestic internal issue yeah. that political parties are using. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we also need to keep it with an open mind because... Yeah. Um, of course, World War Two was an atrocity for exactly. all. And yeah, if there's reparations that will be demanded, we'll give you guys an update. <laughs> yes, we definitely will. But I think that's all we have time for today. Yeah. But don't forget to tune into our next episode of the Weekly Rundown. And also, don't forget, forget to apply for our Model UN. Yes. Yes. Um, feel free to look for it on the website, the Mice website, or on our social media platforms um, in the description below. We hope to see you guys there.